welcome to Fossified. Uh, I'm Johan, and I'm here with... My name is Henrik, Swedish pronunciation. Yes, and I, I go by Daniel, the non-Swedish <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> Daniel Stenberg. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, as we have learned before. Uh, we have some 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 news or so, some reflections on later happenings. Daniel, you have one. Yeah, so so um, uh, this period, and I think it was last week or the week before that, Docker announced that they were going to delete open source organization or the free tier somehow. I actually got an email twice about it. My organization or whatever was going to be deleted from Docker Hub so they wouldn't host it. Or it was really hard to understand. I, I didn't understand what that was going to mean. I thought they were going to delete it so that the curl Docker image would go away. But then they... I complained about it to them, and then they said, no, no, your account is not going away. This has to be something wrong. So curl would still stay there. And it was completely hard to understand whatever it was. And a lot of people were uh, upset everywhere. And then last week, they backpedaled and said, no, 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 we regretted it. We will we, not remove any open source organizations, no, nothing. It'll remain as it were. But of course, that has already made everyone upset and started to think about moving away from Docker Hub for their Docker image hosting. So I think now everyone has realized that it's a very central repository and things can happen and maybe we should host Docker stuff elsewhere as well, or maybe instead of. And I guess the tooling is already built for it. So it's just that they, they, they've the opened. The tooling is there. Uh, I think they have had a unique position in being the default one and sort of the the one that is everyone is thinking should host it. So I think it was just an interesting um, mess, the, the entire thing, and uh, a, a good example of how not to interact with open source community. <laughs> I think there are many lessons to learn from for, for people and organizations there. Yeah. Um, should we remove the open source organizations from Fossified? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a couple of birthdays. Yeah. Inkscape, uh, the very favorite vector drawing program. I started with Xfig, but Inkscape is a bit more convenient. It's turning 20 years. It's a bit more convenient, you think? Slightly more. Yeah. Fewer middle mouse clicks. Um, a shameless plug, of course. We, we have an Inkscape workshop on the community for PostNorth, so check it out. So we need uh, to add a link to PostNorth as well. I should we probably. That, that should be a reason for me to attend because I've never understood Inkscape. I tried a few times, but i never sort of gotten over that hurdle. So. Uh, we should come down on the side. I've Sunday. tried, but when it comes to graphics, <laughs> it's like boring. <laughs> so I'm out of here. <laughs> And then one of us had a, a little project birthday, and he's still alive. So I think the pro party was good. The, the party was great. So Curl 25, and we had this long party in the evening, and I opened my 25-year-old single malt, and it was a great evening, I think. More than 700 people actually joined in and, and watched and participated, at least during part of that evening. But only you drank, so it wasn't like seven or one milliliter per person. <laughs> only I drank from my bottle. But I, I saw some uh, evidence of other people actually drinking other stuff themselves. So I think I was not alone, but I don't know. You don't know? 
Yeah, I don't remember anything. <laughs> Kidding. And um, we have Octodroid, which is not a quinky-dinky that we bring up here. Uh, Octodroid is turning 10, or recently did. And that leads to the uh, coming episode, which is um, uh, on women in FOSS and the struggles and the hardship of that. And eventually we will... We, we, this is this intro is recorded after the the, um, the episode, so we know that you you're gonna get three tips out of it. Is there anything more we need to say before we let our listeners listen? Yeah, we should give a shout out to Stefan and thank him for the new jingle, which you're yeah. about to hear. So see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fossified podcast. My name is Gina Hoeske, and I'm the creator and maintainer of Octoprint, the snappy web interface for your 3D printer. All right. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Gina. Uh, my name is Carol Chen, and uh, I'm an overall tech and open source enthusiast. Uh, currently, I work for Red Hat um, in the Ansible upstream project, and uh, I've had about 10 years of experience with um, different open source communities and um, I've used Linux for more than 20 years. So I guess that's where my understanding and entry into uh, FOSS started. And um, really happy to be here today. Thanks. Yeah, the three of us are still here as well. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't left us alone here. Good. No. <laughs> So how do we do this? Should we try to tackle the questions from the um, GitHub you want? You prepare that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not sure if there are that many concrete questions. Um, can, I, can I fire off one while you look at the questions, Johan? Yeah, please do. Gina, how long have you been um, leading, maintaining Octoprint? Uh, 10 years now, actually. So I celebrated the 10-year anniversary on... Uh, yeah, technically it was on December 25th, but I was on vacation then. So uh, I celebrated it a bit early during all of December, basically. But uh, yeah, that also wasn't the uh, first open source project of mine. It was just the first one that really took off, so to speak. I also participated in DocoWiki before that and some other stuff here and there, wrote some other stuff here and there. But apparently with uh, Octoprint, I hit a nerve and it pretty much took over my life since 2012 so <laughs> um that, what does I that think, mean you, you you made your bed with octoprint uh basically i just so i mean in 2012 i got myself a 3d printer i wanted to be able to put that in a spare bathroom uh i wanted to still be able to monitor it when it was there because yeah 3d printing is not something where you just fire off and forget everything and then everything works fine but you want to have a bit of an eye on it uh, back then more than, uh, back then even more than now. And, uh, I figured out that it shouldn't be too difficult to use something like a Raspberry Pi for that, but there was no software for that that did that already. So I sat down over my Christmas vacation, wrote it, threw it up on GitHub, and suddenly things exploded because apparently I was not the only person with a problem like that. I mean, it was not a bathroom for most people, but rather a garage or a basement, but still, um, 
A lot of people wanted to just have the printer tethered to a tiny computer instead of their main computer, uh, do its thing, be able to monitor it, have webcam views for it and stuff. And so things happened. I still don't know exactly why, but I'm happy they did. And uh, so at first I did this on the side uh, next to my regular day job. I used to be... Um, um, an IT architect at one of these big uh, software solution consulting companies, and my yeah my day job involved a lot of working with Java and enterprise stuff, and then in the evenings I coded up on coded Python on, on Octoprint, um, and then in uh, 2014 I actually found a company, or rather a company found me who loved what I was doing with Octoprint so much that I said, hey, we are going to hire you full-time and you're just going to do this full-time. So since uh, eight years now, uh, that has been actually my full-time job. And since 2016, when said company ran out of money, basically, <laughs> I also switched to a crowdfunding model. So now that is fully funded by the community and all of that. And I still work on it full-time and uh, yeah, spend pretty much every working hour on improving, on maintaining, on community management, on brand management, on issue triage, on whatnot. So all of the stuff, lots of open source. Cool. Awesome. It has taken over my life. <laughs> Was said company also, they had some Ubuntu touch phones, if I remember correct. Yep, 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 exactly. Yeah. But cool. yeah, uh, stuff didn't work out for them. Mm. So though I have to say, in the long run, I think for the project, it was better. So for me, it was better because before that, it was like I have this one sponsor slash my employer. And on the other hand, I have hundreds of people who have maybe other expectations of what the software is supposed to do. So who do I cater to? And now I just, you know, cater to the community. That's a bit easier on in that regard. Carol, can you describe what you're doing at Red Hat? Apart sure. from what you've already said. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Um, so we have a, Ansible is a, a pretty popular um, open source automation project. And it actually also is, uh, it was 10 years uh, last year. It started in 2012 and 2022 was the 10 year anniversary. So <laughs> happy anniversary to both um, projects. And um, I, I joined uh, Ansible Actually, quite recently, only in the last three, three and a half years or so. When I first joined Red Hat, I was in charge of another project called Manage IQ, but that's another story. Um, so I didn't come to Ansible as one of the earlier, you know, community or, um, um, contributors. So I had to, of course, learn about the project, what it does. And, um, I, I, I did, uh, the certification for Ansible. So, you know, in the sense that I'm not totally <laughs> ignorant about uh, as well and how to use it. Um, but what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is more um, what we call nowadays community management or uh, community outreach. So I uh, organize a lot of events. Um, I write, well, I don't write, but I, I edit and uh, publish a weekly newsletter for the Ansible community. Um, I take care of the Ansible uh, upstream Mastodon account um, because Twitter is mostly product focused nowadays. Um, and um, just, you know, meetups, um, online events, offline events, um, social media. We're, we're actually working on a new um, website 
for Ansible community because um, as as things uh, when Ansible was acquired by Red Hat, uh, of course, most of the things moved to the product side, uh, and um, we didn't have a, a, an actual home um, for the upstream project. So after all these years, we finally are now uh, getting our own home, so to speak. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit different Ansible versus the, some of the other projects in Red Hat because of, of the name. Uh, most upstream projects will have a different name than the product. Like if you are familiar with Fedora, that's the upstream. Uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux is the, uh, the, the product, the downstream. Uh, Manage IQ, the previous project I, uh, I worked with, is was used to be Cloud Forms. Nowadays, actually part of IBM Cloud Pack. Um, uh, Oviert and uh, uh, Red Hat, uh, you know, uh, virtualization. So there's there's usually a different name for the upstream and downstream. But Ansible as a you know, it's such a recognizable name already when Red Hat acquired the, the, the company that they kept the name for both the product and the project. So in that sense, when people talk about Ansible, sometimes we have to, you know, specify which one are you talking about and and confusions may arise. So, you know, after a long discussion, we say we, we need a presence where people understand this is where you come and talk about the, the project, uh, people can contribute and, and um, you know, keep, provide feedback and not worry about being marketed to or being, uh, you know, um, um, driven down the sales funnel or whatever you call that. Not not saying that we don't welcome uh, community users to be, be a customer at some point if there's a need to, but it's not the, the main goal for what me and uh, my team does at Red Hat. So we really focus on uh, making sure the community feels welcome and also, you know, talking about making contribution accessible across um, uh, different um, backgrounds, genders, um, regions and languages, what have you. So a, a lot of these are work in progress. I'm not saying we have um, answers to all the or solutions to all the um, challenges, but, you know, we are we're work, working hard towards that. So, so both of you are working in open source, obviously, since we're on, on Fossify. <laughs> but, but did you did you start there, or did you do general IT first, or how did you how did you end up doing open source, basically? Well, um, yeah, for me it was just I have always been a nerd. Like uh, I started coding at the uh, very early age of. Uh, six or maybe seven or something like that. So, um, and for me, that was like being able to play with Lego, but without the stones running or the bricks running out. So that really checked the box with me when my, when my dad showed me a bunch of these things and my, um, my parents also, yeah, they, they, they encouraged that. They, they coached me there. They tried to always push me, not, not directly push me into the direction of STEM stuff, but, um, I took an interest to that, a natural one, and they just enabled it. And then around, uh, yeah, I don't know, around uh, fifth grade or something, I realized, hey, that is actually a job that people can do, coding. That is fun. So I get paid for that. Uh, I think I want to do this. And that was when I pretty much oriented my whole further uh, school life towards this. So taking advanced course in mathematics, getting taking computer science and such. And um, 
somewhere between high school and college, uh, I also learned about yeah the concept of open source and something about that clicked because um, I it helped me a lot being able to read the code of other people, uh, looking at how certain things were solved, how certain problems were solved. Uh, also, just learning about program language features that I didn't yet know. And um, learning that there is a whole concept where, yeah, people pretty much commit to opening up the source of their tooling and offering it to people to use, to rewrite, to reimplement, to build upon that somehow just clicked with me. It took me a while until I understood the whole stuff like licensing and copyleft and whatnot. But uh, yeah, something about this knowledge sharing aspect just really click with me. I still went into a corporate job with closed source development and all of that after university, but I never completely could leave that other part of my life alone. And uh, yeah, then when Octoprint happened, it just became the full focus. So so the dream came true. <laughs> basically, yeah. I mean, it is kind of a dream to be able to work in open source. It also has a lot of downsides some of which I think are just inherent to working in open source with people who are um, who think you owe, the, owe them something, but <laughs> kind of misunderstand something there. Right. Um, one part, of course, is also, yeah, one of the downsides maybe is also what we are actually talking about here. Uh, being a woman in open source can be a bit of a weird experience. Um for one, I'm constantly getting misgendered. So people refer to the Octoprint developer with he all the time. Um, that is a bit annoying, especially when you then correct them and they double down. Like you go like, I, yeah, I wrote it I and it is she. Are you sure? No, that can't be. You are a woman. Sorry, it, it, I wrote it. McQueen, <laughs> who wrote it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, did, it, did your boyfriend do it or something like that? No, but... <laughs> It's yeah. Uh, some people you you cannot you you just cannot talk to some people when they are in this mindset because yeah they but, uh, they have this this stereotype in their mind and you do not fit it and then yeah. they are like what no that cannot be you must be mistaken no I'm not mistaken about my gender identity thank you very much yeah, <laughs> yeah bye <laughs> but you probably face the same thing Daniel but I mean with people trying claiming that you owe them a lot of, of stuff. Sure, but but that's a common open source thing, I mm. guess. Absolutely. I mean, they, they got it for free, right? And, and they sort of, it didn't do exactly what they wanted it to do. So surely we can just spend a little more of our spare time to just fix it so that it works better for them. Mm. Totally, uh, yeah. Even Especially they... if it costs them two hours uh, to find that it didn't work, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. so they at least spent those hours. Right. <laughs> yeah. They wasted that time, and now it's our yeah. job to fix it for them for the next time. Yeah. Exactly. With a friendly attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> preferably that, yes. But, uh, but Carol and Gina, in, in your roles, which are, they're not different they are overlapping but uh you carry your you're spending more time in the community role uh so what is the i don't know the name to use here issue topic blah 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 at hand the, the women in in it women in force what what is the main problem with us <laughs> um i th i think 
part of it is perception, like like we were talking about, you know, the, the stereotype that somebody who is very interested in tech or or very skilled in tech tends to be male or tends to have fit a certain profile. And when you, you know, look a certain way or you are not the typical stereotype, people tend then question, are you really interested? Are you really good at this? Are you really who you say you are? <laughs> that kind of thing, which which can be frustrating because that takes energy to deal with. And oh, yeah. instead of using the, that, that same energy f- to, to work on the projects that, that we are so passionate about. So, you know, um, at, at conferences, even though nowadays my job is more, um, for lack of a better term, marketing in nature, um, you know, outreach and events, at, you know, um, in a big conference at a booth, um, people come to us asking questions. Okay, I cannot answer 80, 90% of the very technical questions, but I can answer, you know, generally um, uh, what I understand the topic, what you're looking for, and then maybe direct you to to an expert in that um, um, specific question. But still then I get people walking up to the booth and say, just glossing over me because I'm female. Oh, can I talk to somebody more technical around here? You know, like they don't even ask whether I I know the question, but they just assume, and that happens more often than 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 I can count. It's it's and, and it's still happening. Ten years of these is still happening. Like ten years ago, and still happening now. So so it's it's how, how do we let people know and educate them to to know that it's not about the gender or uh, sometimes it's also the age thing. Like ageism is quite a thing as well, and um, you know just because somebody has a, a few. Uh, more gray hair. Okay, maybe they have more experience, but you know, don't discount that. <laughs> I color yeah, my hair. Everyone is waving now. <laughs> For the listeners, not seeing everyone waving. Yeah. So um, there's just just a lot of um, assumptions and um, preconceived ideas of what a technical person should look like or sound like. Um, is is sometimes the barrier for for a lot of what we do because we spend a lot of time then yeah. explaining we're actually you know competent enough or uh, good enough and and that energy could be better used elsewhere. I also have to say that from my experience that is a bit worse in FOSS than it was in uh, for me at least in corporate. Um, I still had this feeling that people didn't fully. Um, yeah, fully understand that I was actually there because I was the expert for what they were looking for uh, when they saw me, the way that I looked, but um, at least they didn't say it usually and it was usually also quite easy to convince them that, so like two sentences into talking about the topic on hand, then they usually say, so, okay, yeah, okay, she knows what she's talking about. Whereas in, in FOSS, I Actually, as I said, I have had this experience where people outright deny that I wrote the software that I wrote simply because it doesn't fit their stereotype mindset. And that is super frustrating. It is, um, as, as Carol said, it's super draining also and exhausting to constantly, okay, constantly would be over, overstating it. It hasn't happened, uh, that often, thankfully to me that it, that it got that bad, but, I don't know. It's just this, 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 this feeling that you 
oftentimes get back when interacting with people that they think something is wrong here. Um, some someone is may, maybe pulling a prank on them, and that is just annoying. I mean, um, I'm here. Hi, can we please just acknowledge that I exist and uh, maybe do not fit the stereotype? And maybe that is the problem of the stereotype. Um, which, by the way, I'm also I also noticed about myself that I fall into this trap. So that when I hear that some open source project or some 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 other thing is is done by a woman. Uh, I also sometimes think, oh, how unusual. And that, I mean, I, I really should know that it is not that unusual. <laughs> so, yeah. so Gina, do you, a- do you think you attract more, more female uh, contributors in like you, in a project oh, like, like absolutely yours? Absolutely not. No, the problem with my, with my project, I think, is we also have a problem with uh, women in 3D printing. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. It is a very, it, it is a very technic, te- uh, technological thing, and it's once again something that is mostly done by men in their spare time. Uh, it also is a case of money, maybe in some cases, because you have to be able to, uh, yeah, actually be able to 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 buy a printer you have to be able to put it somewhere you have to ha- you need a space you need a time so it is a bit of a privilege i think to even be able to get into 3d printing um and so that certainly already yeah changes a bit the 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 um the audience of my code uh add to that that most people when they are into 3d printing already have a hobby which is 3D printing, and this is not necessarily something where they also want to code, and that means contributors in general in Octoprint are a bit hard to come by. But when they, I think I, I've had some some women uh, as well, but I wouldn't say that it felt like I, tra- I attracted uh, a larger uh, ra- ratio just because it is me. So, so, so judging by what you're saying, you don't then you don't know what the percentage might be in your project, for example. I don't rate take notes. No, 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 me I, neither. I'm, I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah. Sometimes you you hear about people actually doing that or knowing that, and in, in my projects, I'm also completely oblivious because I don't know the gender of any contributor. I mean, I I see I see the username on the PR. I see maybe an avatar on the PR, so I can make my guess, but right. I never try to. So I, I I I'm also one of the people who has. Um, has started to just use they as the pronoun until I, until someone else tells me or makes, yeah, yeah, I don't know, say something that makes me, makes me clear on what they want to be called. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I simply try to not make any assumptions on the gender of someone who does a PR on my side. I, I think, Gina, you brought up a very good point about uh, of course, it's, uh, you mentioned about 3D printing, but in general, a lot of open source contributions start with people who have spare time and spare resources on their hands to, you know, tinkle with some new project that they come across and then play around with it. And the, this, this whole stereotype traditional role of some women being the caretaker in the family. So their spare time probably is spend more on in after work, even if they work in tech, they're not going to come back home and then work on their favorite open source project. Usually not because they have other stuff in, in, in at home to take care of. Again, very, very, how to say, generalized saying, because I, I'm, I'm not like that and you're not like that. And, and we know a lot of people who, who don't fall into that uh, generalized trap, but 
the fact is that there's still this expectation because for example um when when i organize meetups i hear like a lot of women who actually want to come whether it's tech or open source but they have to take care of their kids but you know they have to do something mm-hmm. at home so that that's why you know but you don't usually hear that from men not as much not saying never but you know not as much oh i've i've um you know uh, three kids to I have to take care of today but usually that falls uh, tend to fall to the to the women. I I would say though, in the past few years, I have seen progress in that area, and you know, get, dads doing uh, child duty and the um, instead of the moms. But still, it's it has been it's, it's this long, deep rooted um, thinking and um, tradition that when you have the spare time, women if they don't take care of their family and they do use it for their own hobby project, whatever will get more frowned upon than men who do. So, you know, I, I think um, definitely having that is a privilege. I, I, I'm in one of the privileged, more privileged group that I don't have to worry about that, but not not a lot of females don't have that privilege. Yeah, there, there was this study made in Sweden just very recently. I think it was published this week about the disproportionate amount of you know, the, the work in home, you know, taking care of the kids, doing the laundry, cleaning, whatever, that is it is very unbalanced in Sweden. So I guess it's more of a global thing. So it happens yeah. everywhere. And, and so we in the course, Nordics are already considered yeah. quite, how to say, um, slightly better in, in gender equality, and still we have this problem. Exactly. We have still far to go there. So I guess that explains why open in open source it gets an even further sort of unbalanced and to to the male but uh, i wanted to ask you carol the same question do you know what kind of ratio you have female male contributors um one thing about open source and working a lot online is for for better or worse i i'm, I'm sorry about the drilling noise because Right, yeah. <laughs> so um you can kind of hide behind a, a, a how to say a handle or something that people don't know whether you're young or old, female, male, you know, whatever gender race um you you are. So and, and we don't sp- you know, uh, explicitly ask our contributors, uh, are you male or female? So, or, or you know, how do, how do you identify? But because we have had been at events, um, now that um, events are coming back in person, I would say it, it's very, very uh, biased against uh, um, male, uh, very high ratio of male towards female. Very good example is I have no problem going to the uh, female restrooms because there's no queue. <laughs> Huge conferences, long queues outside the, the main men's toilet, but no no problem for women. It's it's not it's not something I want to celebrate though because you know it shows that there's just such an unbalance that that is is um, really scary. So um, has to be one advantage. <laughs> right. So I have to you know like yeah, this is one thing I can be at least somewhat happy about, but. Yeah, but would you would you say that there is progress? I mean, Eugenia mentioned that it, it's generally a bit better in corporate. But would you, the two of you, say that there's been progress over the past decade or so, or or is it at a standstill, or is it getting worse? I wouldn't say it's getting worse. I'm just not sure if it's getting better. Yeah, 
I would say there's more, definitely more awareness. People are talking about it. You will have uh, DEI sessions or tracks at events specifically addressing the problems. But we are still at the very much talking stage and not really seeing concrete um, things happening. I- I'm sure people are doing stuff and make- making things happen and-, and trying to make a change. But if there is progress, it's not very drastic. It's not very like huge. Like I said, at conferences 10 years ago and now, there may be some changes, but not, nothing that will be like, yes, we finally made a difference and we're changing the world kind of. So there's basically nothing that prevents us from having this same discussion in another 10 years. and it'll... I, I hope we not, but... To be a little dark. <laughs> yeah, but it, it could be very likely that, yeah. But my, what I gather is that most of us would feel that it's rather tough environment when you're going to IT. If you go to a meeting and you have committed code and there's a bit of code review, I mean, it's not fun having people reviewing your code and coming with comments. But I think in IT in general, in business, you are way more polite than you are when you're commenting in a uh, a pull request or... uh, so I, I think we can generalize that I FOSS is worse than IT, and also that um, and extrapolate that it's even worse than not being the white male middle age. I would say FOSS in general is worse than IT in a lot of aspects because I mean it's not just the the inequality thing; it's it's generally just more unfiltered. Like mm, some of the things that mm-hmm. I had to hear as a maintainer and that probably Daniel also had to hear as a maintainer is things that would get you fired on the spot in a corporate environment and uh, maybe could even lead to uh, a police investigation. So um, it's just, yeah, I've had those it's just one, one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I haven't yet, but uh, oh, I've, no, I've no come close. Thing, no. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, so yeah, I agree. So, but I think that is part of the online culture also, so that you don't have a face, you don't yeah. know the other person in the other side. It's just, yeah. again, a nickname with a funny avatar created their account yesterday and they show up and there's a language barrier, cultural differences, someone using True. translate. And then what are they talking about? And, and they can be very offensive either on by, by meaning it or not meaning it when you don't really know. So I, I agree. It's, and, and I think that not having a face and not being live, that is a big part of that. Because at, when we say in IT, right, when you work at the, in an office, you actually have to face the person. You actually have to live with that person tomorrow as well. And you have to <laughs> say hello by the coffee machine. T- so you cannot do whatever you want, right? But in open source, you can show up one day. Yeah, exactly. One day and just be totally rude. Yeah. And then you go away and there will not be any consequence. You might be banned from that project, but you might never come back anyway. So it's, I think open source makes, I mean, it's easier to be a really bad person in open source yeah. and, and get away with it. Yep. I think I, I was lucky because I started contributing to open source in a corporate background, not, not even before Red Hat. Um, I was working for Nokia and we were working on this Helix multimedia framework, which is um, actually uh, developed by real networks, but it, it is open source, I believe. 
GPL license, if I remember right. But anyway, there's, there's this uh, cross-platform, uh, cross-OS uh, um, client, that is the Helix player that we had on Symbian phones, which was what, what I was working on. And like you said, you know, because we, we have this, this, this uh, accountability when you work with, you know, professionals uh, in a professional environment that um, uh, the, the languages used and, and the way people um, talk about things tend to be uh, more, more um, at, at least they will think twice before calling you names or something. So, uh, but I actually preferred working open source at that time because when I, I was really scared of code reviews for, for the longest time in a big room full of, you know, 90% male staring at you, staring at your code, uh, picking everything apart. And I actually felt more comfortable in when, when I started working on the open source stuff rather than the proprietary stuff is that partly because there's no face. I, I'm not sitting in a room full of people. I submit the code via email, um, mailing list at that, at that time. And it's asynchronous, which helps me not deal with direct comments, or at least, you know, even if I hear a negative, uh, uh, like a criticism, I know it's constructive. I, it gives me time to think about it and also form my response to it. So so at least for, for me, I, I don't deal very well with direct confrontation. It really made me feel better doing code review in this asynchronous manner in the open. I was scared. I thought, oh, no, it's going to be all in the open. Everybody will be able to see what I do. But in the end, it worked out better for me. And that also gave me a push into learning about the open source way of doing things and making me even more interested in open source. You, you could also imagine that doing it on uh, in open source online like this, you could hide. I mean, again, back to being an anonymous username, you don't really have to tell what, what gender you are. You could let everyone assume that you are the stereotype, at least uh, for as long as you're good, I mean, happy with that. So you, you, you don't have to expose right. yourself as being in a minority if you don't want to. Or, I mean, I'm not sure that actually helps, but at least... Uh, it, I mean, in IT, when you're meeting person in, in, in real life, that's harder. It's harder to hide who you are. Sure. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but at least you can take that as an advantage if you want to. Um, so you and I are busy organizing a conference coming up in Gothenburg. <laughs> this is not a shame for us. <laughs> What it is an advert. Carol is speaking. Carol is speaking. Sure. No, no, no. But <laughs> when I organized another conference way back in Gothenburg, we started with a, a, a manifest to get rid of the, uh, what do you say, the bullying. And I think we reached a couple of things. I think it was safer, uh, as in nobody touched anyone else inappropriately. But what what I, I see, oh, I shouldn't judge what what is worse. <laughs> That's not for me to do. But what I'm seeing that is really hard to um, pinpoint and to to do something about is these small things you mentioned earlier, Carol, about the perception. Uh, I'm, you you can be ignored. Less people show up, perhaps at a female talk, women talking, less questions, etc. And these, you, you can't, like, you, you cannot write a rule when you enter FOSTEP. Think about asking equally many questions. <laughs> to it. It, it, it's, it, it's impossible. So it, we, we need to change. We need a mindset change here. But where does it start, really? I mean, it's... 
I, I went to school with electrical engineering, so I think we were 12 women out of 200, and they were so happy because it was the best year ever. <laughs> it must start way earlier. Where, is it the lack of Lego in, in some people's life or where? Uh, Both of you have sort of mentioned your parents encouraging you. Is, is that where it has to uh, start? Yeah, absolutely. Be at least that is my perception because my parents encouraged me. Every other relative, every friend of my parents was constantly like, why is she playing with that stuff? That's not something for girls to play with. What? Why is she, why doesn't she like, why yeah. doesn't she like dolls stuff? I mean, I grew up in the eighties. I should add to that. I don't know how it is these days, but back then growing up in Germany in the eighties as a girl who was into STEM stuff, if I had, I, if I hadn't had my parents who encouraged what I was into and who, who actually gave me, uh, electronics experimentation box stuff kits and, uh, got me in access, got me access to the, to the computer when it moved in, so to speak, when I was six and things like that. I think that would have just fizzled out somewhere around age six or seven. And, because... and you still had to be rather confident to stick to this because, I mean, kids yeah, in general I'm... tend to get influenced by other kids, right? And surroundings, not just your parents, but other kids that say stuff to you. Let me just say I got, I got comfortable quite early with just being the one, uh, the, the odd one out who didn't really fit into either box that everyone wanted to build around me. And somehow I found the strength to do that and stick to that. There was a time in my life where I just wanted to be a boy. Like yeah. I even dressed like that. I cut my hair really short. I got mistaken. I got thrown out of women's restroom for a, restrooms for a while because um, I had the wow. feeling that my life would be so much easier if people just perceived me as a boy instead. And yeah. somewhere when I entered puberty that I, I decided, you know what? No, the world out there just has to, has to live with the fact that I'm not. <laughs> and I like being female and mm -hmm. I'm going to just be what I want to be. And I stopped doing that. But there was a time where, I, I mean, there, there exist pictures of my dad's son and I'm my parents' only child. So um, it, it was tough. And what I also wanted to add uh, to our discussion just a bit ago, um, when... So a reason, at least for me, when 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 I'm in public, when people when I'm under scrutiny, basically, um, there is this XKCD number three eight five, which uh, has the title "How It Works," and you see uh, two men standing in front of a blackboard, and uh, one dude is writing, and the other dude is saying, "Wow, you suck at math." And then there's on the right right of that, there is again a blackboard, and there is a dude writing a, a dude standing there and a woman writing on the blackboard and the dude is saying wow girls suck at math so no matter <laughs> be it be it driving be it coding be it math be it anything that is in any a kind of way uh, 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 connected with with technology with spatial awareness with with any of the stuff that is yeah, stereotypically attributed to being the strength of 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 men of of, of male people um as soon as you screw that up as a woman or as a non-male, you always have to fear that this is not going to attribute be attributed just to yourself. So it's not not I who, right. who did this mistake. It's the entire in the group. It's the whole gender. It's, it's, it's just be yeah. It's it's the whole gender. It's just because <laughs> we just I, I I had I took advanced advanced mathematics in in uh, uh, in high school and my own teacher 
stood in front there and and uh, philosophized about yeah uh, the the guys all the boys in the class just being good at the thing and all the girls just being really hard workers no i wasn't a hard worker i did my homework and that is all i i just could yeah. do that i'm good at math right and that's, that's it's it's a ton of paper cuts like that that just yeah, yeah go through your whole life and either you You have the background, you maybe have the upbringing, you have the support at home to be able to cope with that, or you just drop off at some point. And I think that is also, we, we have a, a, a huge filter funnel, basically, running from the, the day that a girl is born up to until she becomes uh, yeah, strong enough to cope with all of this. And when anything horrible in this time happens, then regardless of how interested she is in this and how skilled she maybe even also is how gifted she is and that that's it Be because why should i constantly try to swim against the stream when everyone around me is constantly telling me this is not for me i will never be good in this anyhow because i'm just wired wrong for that due to having ha happy happy to have an uh, uh yeah because i happen to have two x chromosomes or something like that so stupid stuff like this and yeah i think a lot of Yeah, it would already do a lot of good if we, all of us, I mean, I do the same mistake, all of us would no longer just assume that someone is male just because he's into tech or they are mm. into tech. There, I did it again. So, yeah. um, so, 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 so well said. Uh, you, you mentioned that part about not assuming gender, Gina, use, like using they instead of he or she, like uh, addressing people maybe for the first time or anyone who you, you don't know. Do, do you... Either of you, I mean, Carol as well. Do you do you do anything in particular dedicated uh, on purpose to cater for more female contributors or women contributors in your projects, um, or do you just act naturally? I'm just curious if there's particular things you pay attention to that we can copy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for, first of all, I really want to thank thank Gina for what, what you said because it, it is so hit the nail on the head. It's really about we, we say like death by a thousand paper cuts. Each paper cut is, by itself is nothing, but when you encounter that over and over again throughout your life, it takes its toll. And and um, again, it's the it's the pressure, right? If if some a male person do something wrong. Oh, he's just bad at that. Great example. If we do something wrong, oh, that's why females are bad at this driving or whatever. So it's the whole pressure that we have to shoulder that we're representing our <laughs> half of the population. I I try to, I, I started things, little things like we, we can't, um, it's, it's hard to identify something that can, change the world i wish i could but like you know ha having even simple things like having a t-shirt option that's fitted that's flattering for ladies that that we prefer and and i also learned that we should call it just regular fit and fitted rather than men or women because uh, again be more um inclusive so just be more mindful in those things like um I notice nowadays there are more and more conferences that provide uh, nursing areas for people who bring their kids. I think that's wonderful. So that, you know, it's not that they don't want to join these conferences, but because it's so inconvenient when you, you bring a kid along. So 
make make uh, events more accessible in that way. I have a colleague um, who's actually now based in Stockholm. I'm going to bring her to Foss, Foss North uh, next month. So uh, she, she moved to Sweden, I think, a year ago, something like that. But anyway, um, she tends to bring her daughter to events because, again, you know, she has to... Um, one of the main t- caretakers, even though the, the her husband also shared the job, but she'll bring her, her daughter to events. And that's great. You know, make, make the event child-friendly, uh, kid-friendly. Um, and I, th- I think if, if we, uh, how to say, step back and look at what are the and ask not just look at and ask people what are the challenges you face what um, what is it that um, prevents you from attending this or doing that and understand um, find ways that we can make make a small difference here and there again it's like a paper cut if we can remove a paper cut here and there it will help a lot of people so we we can't heal big wounds overnight but we can remove little things that trips people along the way that. Um, you know, li- small roadblocks that I've, I think yeah. can add up and make a bigger difference. Uh, one um, one thing that could about also about help group. is... Sorry. So, no, go ahead. <laughs> one thing that could also help is to not just invite women on podcasts in order, in, on podcasts about FOSS in order to speak about women in FOSS. Um, <laughs> not saying that <laughs> this is your plan for this podcast, but this is actually something that is also, I, I, I can't say how often I've been asked about talking about being a woman in open source when, yes, it is important and I do that because I think it needs to be said and people need to be made aware of that, first of all, we exist and second of all, our experience is a bit, well, let's uh, let's just say it could be it could be made better <laughs> by others, but um, it also sometimes feels like, hey, I'm a one-trick pony. I can speak about being a woman <laughs> in open source and everything else doesn't interest anyone. So um, that is, again, not saying that this is what you're going to do here any, in any way, just something that I wanted to address because... No, I think it's a perfect point. Of course, us three here being the stereotypes, it's, it's hard for us to not be and, and we've actually discussed this. How do we approach this in a... I mean, look at it from our side. It's, it's, it, no, I'm not asking for you to feel sorry about us, but the how do we ask this? How do we... So we've actually discussed this on forehand because we are doing this from like a, a top bottom a top top approach we, we're like we're we have part. a podcast we are inviting you as guests blah 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 so it's we have the power so it's a bit sensitive this whole thing having you here mm. and now you bring this up to make us feel even worse <laughs> <laughs> no but I, no no the audience not i have, audience. A, I have <laughs> a wonderful friend who's uh so, so, so one of the things so, so i've been running this Foss north uh, conference and putting together the program and it, it turns out that as soon as you have one woman speaker you get more so it's about not being the only one. And, and I have a wonderful friend who said, yes, I will be your token woman. When I <laughs> so fully aware of the problem. And she also turned down this invitation saying, I, I won't, I don't have time to, to motivate my existence this week. So, so I do understand <laughs> the feeling. Out of tokens. So, 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 you're, tokens. so you're tempted then to lie that you already have a female speaker. Yeah, exactly. Quick, <laughs> <laughs> everyone to show. No, but it's a sensitive topic. And I've actually had comments, I think it was on Twitter. It was on some public channel 
But why do we encourage? Uh, why why do we always have a a female keynote speaker, for instance? Why why do we encourage this? And then I mean, mm. it is a door opener because otherwise we don't even get talk submissions because nobody wants to be the only one. Mm. Uh, Lead by example, I think it's great. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. Like um, what, what, what we were talking about, like how how when we have a female speaker, sometimes you don't get the questions or. So if if you are there in the audience, lead by you know show by example, ask ask a great technical question that that the person can answer, and then hopefully people then will follow up because oh this is normal, this is nothing to uh, shy away from because the speaker happened to be female, you know. So I guess that answers my question previously, right? Lead by example. So you should just do whatever you're supposed to do, <laughs> and not do what you're not supposed to do, and hopefully that will. Push the development in the in the right direction. Normalize it. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Have, have you been partaking in these? Now I don't remember any of the names. I know there have been Ruby on Rails meetings, for instance, for for women only. I think there are Python groups that are women only as well. Hi, ladies. Yeah. Hi, ladies. Yeah. Is is that something that's helping, or is it only? Sort of polarizing. Talk to the, the colleague that I mentioned. She leads Pi Ladies in Stockholm. Oh, <laughs> I'll introduce. Uh, uh, I know her. Uh, oh, okay. Hey, that is Stockholm. And I know her husband too. There we go. All right. See. <laughs> and he's the one actually leading it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh that, uh, now we oh, need to yeah. cut this out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> There is an initiative in, uh, I think it started here in Gothenburg, um, actually by a former student of mine, um, Women in IT. Yeah. And they're quite visible here, and I think it's a great initiative. Uh, I, I, need, I want to go back. So I, I've been thinking, of where, where do we tackle this? And when, when I was at the university here in Gothenburg, we had, uh, I got responsible for a course where many, many of the girls dropped out. So we looked at why do they drop out? And we tried to improve that. We were two teachers and we looked at how we like with a voice was try to like use a normal voice. And we looked at physically, how do we help a female or a woman or a, a non-boy? Uh, so we do not intimidate in any way. Um, and we looked at what kind of language, etc. And we, uh, I can probably say, um, I don't know, know if it was me <laughs> or my colleague, but we managed to improve uh, or, or cut the dropouts of, of the girls. So more or less all of the girls stayed. So I, I th what uh, my take from that, it's not that I'm so fantastic, but it, it's more um, we need to start like early on. And I think at least in university, because we are, we are filtering out uh, the women quite early with a bad attitude from the teachers. And the fellow students. Yeah, absolutely. But I think if you have a teacher that absolutely yeah, yeah. encourages yeah. Uh, like and set a good yeah. example. Frown upon the bad behavior, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Teachers so, can make a 
make a great difference. I had some uh, two amazing math and computer science teachers uh, in high school that probably made the difference because it was hard. It was like, oh, okay, um, so many uh, boys uh, who all had, you know, started programming when they were in, in diapers or something. And and here I am, first, first program ever written was when I was 17 years old, you know, so, but... Um, have having encouraging teachers who doesn't see, oh, whether you're a guy or a girl, if you're good, you're good. So I, I really appreciated that. Do you, or if and you're you... interested, you're interested. Right, right. Right. I mean, you don't have to be the absolute master of everything from the start, right. but if you are interested, I mean, you can always you can always work with someone who is keen, who is who is interested, who wants to learn. So, yeah, very true. Do any of you, uh, I mean, Jaina and Carol, do you view other open source projects differently depending if, I mean, do you ever consider that as, as a, I mean, do you, when you contribute to anything or participate in, in projects, do you, do you think about the gender sort of angle or aspect ratio or whatever in, I guess, unless you're being, I mean, mistreated in some way. I'm just curious <laughs> yeah. if there's something yeah, sort of that you think of uh, uh, when you approach. I guess you will think about it if if someone is rude or bad in some way. But if otherwise. someone is rude and 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 I mean, what I certainly look for these days is a COC. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least I mean, as soon as at, at, from a certain project size on. I mean, if it's just a minor module that is, I don't know, if it's just some home assistant extension or something like that, maintained by one single person in their spare time, then I don't demand that there be a COC. But if it's something bigger and there is no COC, then I start to wonder why. Uh, there is one option, and that it was also the reason for Octoprint not having one for the long for, for a long time, which in my case was I simply assumed that people don't need that because they know how to behave, but it turns out no, <laughs> it's better to have that written down somewhere. S similar to my story, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, when you have it written down, then it is something that you can re refer people to, and that is also something that community members of your open source community can refer people. Two that they see are breaking rules, and that can help a lot in having a good community. And if I if I enter some kind of open source pro uh, project and try to contribute, and nothing like that happens, and I'm being called names or something like that, well, yeah, okay, then I'm going away again. And that is not what I want to use my time on and my resources. But it's in almost general, I just yeah, I just see a maintainer as a maintainer without a gender pronoun attached so mm -hmm. in, in 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 because i do more events that's one of the first things i will look for on, on an event website or uh, information to coc so that's that's a very good point because it's, it's hard to know like when you first enter a, a project it's, it's not like i survey uh, all the other names and uh, nicknames i see whether they are male or female that's not not my first kind of inclination and a, a lot of times, if I try to look for that, I probably will be disappointed and see that there's not many females around. So, so that's not um, and and that's not a make or break thing for me. But the COC is really important, and just really the the interaction of of the people in the community, the community leaders, and um, the representatives, uh, how they are, you know, uh, on on a kind of interacting level, whether they are respectful and. 
Um, and again, if, if it's if that's a, a single case, isolated case of bad behavior, you know, it's really about that person. It's not about the whole community. So, you know, I won't hold something against the whole community just because of one sole offender. But if there's a lot of people doing that, then maybe it's because they don't have good uh, COC in place or good um, culture in that community. Then, of course, then it's, it's, it's not... Uh, if it's not a very good, a comfortable or safe place for me to be, then I, I won't get more involved. So yeah, it's not about it's not just about gender in that sense. It's a bit weird that we in the free open source communities have always talked about the meritocracy. You are you are what you code. You are what you contribute, etc. And, and you are saying this is untrue. And if it's 2023 and we still need to discuss this. I think it's embarrassing. Uh, I mean, it's 2023 and people care about these things. Get a life. And I, I actually, I, I maybe not a popular opinion. I actually don't think when you strictly talk about meritocracy, it can be dangerous because you are talking about, is, is it like, how many lines of code this person wrote? How many, you know, Absolutely. right? How how do you yeah. how do you mm-hmm. gauge that? How how do you measure? Sure, there are there are ways you can do a, a, a good measurement or good gauge or whatever. But it's it's dangerous if you just rely rely on that. That's that's right. why I like to focus that there are many Absolutely. ways to contribute, whether it's yep. code bug fixing, uh, you know, uh, even how to translations which you know, enables the community to grow in, in so many different ways. And if we don't lend voices to all these other kinds of contributions, that, that, that is what makes a healthy community. It's really not more than just a tech. The tech is important and it's interesting and that's what we're passionate about. But to be a proper uh, inclusive community, there's so much more than just being good at the tech part. So... Absolutely. And and uh, I would say, I mean, guess uh, we all know that uh, And the older a project gets, the less it is about the code and the technology mm-hmm. and the more it is about communication and documentation and humans and all of that. So I, I agree that meritocracy is, is sometimes a bad word because it sort of puts too much focus on writing code, for example, mm-hmm. or, or doing some, something yeah. technical around it, maybe, <laughs> while... Well, there's so many other things to do in a project that also is valuable and appreciated and, and helps the project sometimes much more actually than writing a new feature because maybe we don't need a new feature. Maybe we just need to get everything, everyone to understand the already existing ones much better. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite pastimes is saying no to feature requests. <laughs> the thing is with feature requests someone has a problem i implement this and now i have to maintain it for all eternity it's better to have something like a plug-in interface and say no to including everything at the kitchen sink in the software but that is a bit of a different thing yes. yeah i have a yeah. wonderful pin that you need it says want fix <laughs> yeah <product>. yeah <laughs> uh, but you know then you're talking about uh, attitude saying won't fix that's a hard thing to say in a project yeah yeah, yeah. won't add then it should say something sorry at the I try moment, to be nice I, about it yes exactly that's sort of my point here but so it's not a won't fix won't fix is the old style of just saying no but you have to sort of be gentle and turn them down in a friendly way so that you don't get any uh, it's, annoying it's user similar... whining back 
in a similar neighborhood as Patches Welcome, which is also a very passive aggressive way of saying, go away, I only care about code, which I try to avoid. I try to avoid that too, but because that's sort of asking for a response, right, in the same snappy tone. And you don't want that because yeah. it's sort of just unfriendly and unproductive. So I yeah. agree. Yeah, in terms of feature requests, um, we, we try to find ways to encourage people to write their own code and make sure we have you know, mm -hmm. good documentation, good onboarding process of how to contribute, clear, clear guidelines, because, yeah, we, we can't write code for everybody for, for all the, you know, uh, thousand and one edge use cases that we, we have not encountered. So, but we want to, if you can help write the code and, and uh, or get somebody to help, we want to provide the means and the tools to be able to do that. It surprises me when you say that because I, I just rolled out my first big scale Ansible thing, and and the annoying part that was that all the tricks were already there. It was just flags in the YAML <laughs> file, and it worked. And now you want to years. complain about that? Yeah, I want to complain that you had took away my two years of bash script hacking with like one YAML file, and it worked. Too little code. Well, so well, annoying. I, I would say probably that's because most many of the modules and stuff are written by community members. It's it's yeah. thanks to the, yeah yeah it's you yeah, know you thanks see to that the, a lot of it yeah. is contributed, but it's it's right. It's really nice. At some to point see. you yeah. get an ecosystem going, and it's just beautiful to observe. I have this really yeah. Octoprints plugin repository as well. When just people come in and just write it and you don't have to do anything and they will even maintain it and you don't have to do anything. That's wonderful. It's like yeah. magic. Yeah. yeah. We have managed to reach the hour and we haven't come to a conclusion, but I've written down lead by example. Is that the result of, of three idiots and two Brainiacs discussing this? I would say lead by example and don't make assumptions. Don't make yeah. a assumptions. Ah. Yes. Yeah. The, the, yeah. When we talked about how we have might have um, preconceived notions. Yeah. Let's not make assumptions. I, I have to remind myself a lot as well. And, and as much as possible, start young. If you can influence people in your lives, it may not be your own uh, kids, you know, your your uh, relatives or people you know, friends, kids. Encourage them from young, and and it's really um, not not just about getting a more women in tech or in force, but generally not have barriers for because you are a certain gender, you must do certain things a certain way or have different type, certain type of interest. So again, like I, I think uh, Gina and, and Ara are luckier in that sense. We had great uh, support from family from young. Because same here, I, I would have loved Lego sets. Uh, my parents actually didn't buy me much because they were really expensive uh, in Asia, probably around the world. But we would get gifts like Barbie dolls from friends, from you know parents, friends and whatnot. I would actually break them up and try to see how they work inside and try to fix them together because I like breaking things and, you know, putting them back together. So, but, and, and my parents didn't say, Oh, you shouldn't do that. They, they just let me do my thing, you know, and, and they bought me books with logic puzzles and, uh, you know, more, more like uh, deep mathematical uh, equations and theories for me to try to figure things out rather than uh, buying me dresses and dolls. So, you know, 
Okay. Uh, that is after they discovered what I was interested in, not, not that they forced that on me or anything. So I think having that encouragement from young makes a big difference. So awesome. Yeah. Maybe that's a good note to, to end the hour on. But thank you very much. It's been very interesting. Uh, Thanks for having Thank me. you for having but us. Kind of scary and sad as well, but interesting. <laughs> uh, awareness is always good. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope hopeful to have the uh, honor of and pleasure of speaking again here next time and hopefully not on <laughs> being women or something. Exactly. Yeah, let's do an actual episode. And I want yeah. to do a 3D yeah. printer episode. <laughs> I would love to hear that. Okay. Yeah. Five.